0: epic podcasts. Podcast, I should say. Without the S. No plural. Deserves epic music to open. And speaking of epic things. Coming to... Coming to... An epic show like mine. Well. Compared to. Another show. Like. The Dogwater Podcast. Over there at the Late Night Pod. Where he's talking about. Something that happened in the 1960s. Which is irrelevant. Um, and. Always. Will be. Especially like what's new is not or what's old is not new again that's just preposterous to think about oh what's old is new again so we need to look at this or oh we need to read some book about some godforsaken wrestler that practically 90% of you have never even heard of like i'm sure that there's no 50-year-old guys 60-year-old women that demographic according to my analytics who are listening to my show who want to hear about you know the junkyard dog nobody really cares i'm i'm sorry to to break your heart brandon and i have enough respect for you to not you know fluff your name i mean i'm assuming that either you can't read or you you just can't speak the name mocha ladies and gentlemen my name is mocha this is the gut wrench podcast thank you all so much for joining me this week this week we will be looking at the revolution 2023 pay-per-view i held off on some if not all of social media Uh, just so that I wouldn't spoil most of, if not any of, the matches that we are about to, uh, look at here at this, um, show. Provided that my phone doesn't turn off again. It's not that it's turning off, it's just that it's on low power mode because it's on 50% power and I'm having a tremendous time trying to get it to, trying to get it to, um, uh, charge, if you will, because it doesn't want to charge, Revolution 2023, the crowd electrically chanting AEW in unison, AEW partners with um DraftKings, and you could win your share of $25,000 if you could guess, and I put guess in air quotes, because if, if you know a formula to finding out professional wrestling, it's the fact that They kind of feed you the answers. They kind of, but they don't. But they feed you the answers just a little bit. Take, for instance, this DraftKings commercial, which has Cool Hand Luke on it. I thought that that was kind of funny. But um, this DraftKings commercial where the host says uh, you could win your your share of up to $25,000, which basically means that you could win like 600 or $800 out of like a share of 25000 <clears> And my guess is once the pool is gone from the money or once they just get tired of, once they see their money dwindling down, like DraftKings, they're just going to be like, oh man, we're down to like seven thousand dollars now. What do you want to do with it? Oh, let's keep it. You know what I mean? But uh anyway I'm getting off topic. Cool Hand Luke was in this commercial and the lady literally almost gives you the answer. Um she's like Will MJF use the uh, diamond mind ring or whatever it is that he's got that fucking ring that he's always using in all of his matches And it's almost a dead giveaway. You know, he's going to attempt to use it tonight. Or will he use it successfully? Or will they have creative writing that you didn't see coming? Next week, also, speaking of your share of $25,000, I will be giving away $200. That's two zero. dollars Zero. I will be giving away $200 to one lucky contestant, participant, listener. And that could be you, Brandon. Maybe you're so broke that you need a handout from me. Maybe. And next week, after next week, so two weeks from next week, I will be giving out $400. And the week after that... I will be giving away $800. No, this is not a joke. This is not a prank. This is not something that I just thought up. Oh, yeah, you know, some false advertisement, ladies and gentlemen, is against the law. So, therefore, me stating that I will be doing giveaways over the next couple weeks could incriminate me if, and only if, I decide... To not deliver on said promise. So. Will I incriminate myself? Or. Am I not telling a lie? Like George Washington. Like Abraham Lincoln. Nonetheless. How you could get rich all of a sudden. Uh, why am I thinking of quitting my job? Now what exactly is the motive? motivation a man I learned how to get rich so fast I really can't answer these questions on air that's right so I can't I can't tell you how I got rich so fast maybe I invested in the stock market maybe I got lucky off of a scratcher maybe my dad sent me money in Oklahoma even though my dad doesn't live in Oklahoma but that's neither here nor there and that's not the point and I still haven't even started the show so why are you asking so many questions bobby now I will be giving away this money uh, via paypal or via cash app more than likely cash app so if you do not have a cash app I would suggest that you get a cash app if you have a paypal and you end up winning it might take a significantly longer amount for you to receive your money because At the time that I'm recording this, I am dirt poor, broke, as far as Cash App goes. Or, I mean, um, PayPal. But, I can move the money, you just gotta give me time. Our opening contest, the Jericho Appreciation Society, is banned from ringside, the... Chris Jericho's, oh, the crowd, okay, so for some reason my notes here, um, it says the collarbone is as always singing the Chris Jericho's theme song, which makes no sense, collarbones don't sing Chris Jericho's theme song, it's supposed to be the crowd in unison singing Chris Jericho's theme song on his way to the ring, Uh, Jericho has a smug look on his face at uh three minutes and sixteen seconds in, which is funny because it's almost three sixteen It's almost three sixteen day, but I remember because I was watching it last night, right, and I paused on his face and I took a picture of it with my phone, and that man knows he's getting paid he 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 doesn't care, he's listening to these people um you know singing his theme song, and he's like, "That's right, that's right, drink it in, you sheep." Chris Jericho versus Ricky Stark. Uh, They talk about uh, Jericho, how he uh, lost three matches in a row and one against Ricky Stark. One of those three that he lost was against Ricky Stark, uh, which was like last week. And one of those was against uh, Castanoli. Uh, the Ring of Honor World Champion Excalibur says that has, this hasn't happened to Chris Jericho in six years. And I put a note here that says, I guess Jericho hasn't put over younger talent for a good while. Really could be seen as a bad thing if you think about it. It gives him somewhat of a Hulk Hogan reputation. So Hulk Hogan would always have these uh, clauses in his contract for those of you who are unaware Um, and the clause in his contract would state that he gets to, he gets to, uh, have creative control over what happens in most of the wrestling matches that he would wrestle, and he would claim, he would claim that he would only use it whenever he felt it was necessary. He said, um, once before that he only used it one time in WCW, and that was whenever, uh, he took on Jeff Jarrett for the, uh, television championship, I think it was, um, on a WCW pay-per-view, but everyone else seems to have a different story than Hogan. A triangle dropkick spot, uh, when Jericho gets a, uh, dropkick from the second rope, a dueling chance, uh, for, uh, Ricky Stark, let's go Ricky and Y2J, uh, Ricky goes for the spear uh, Jericho catches him in midair and hits a code breaker uh pins pins only to get a, a near fall a two count uh, Ricky hits another spear only to get a near fall some some of the people in the crowd look bored to death but others look like they're having like they're enjoying themselves they're having a fantastic time but there's like sometimes it'll pan over to the crowd and then you'll see like some old dude and then he'll just be sitting there you know looking at the floor and it's like dude why'd you pay for a ticket he's like this ain't what i signed up for oh the download that i had must have been cut um at cut off at some point and in the match around sixteen minutes and thirty seconds in all I can see is it hit it has a message that says uh scrambled channel and after it comes back on what I last seen was Ricky Stark going for what seemed to be a moonsault on Jericho afterwards uh I get the scrambled channel message and whenever it comes back, Jericho has Ricky Stark in the walls of Jericho. Not sure how we went from Jericho being on the ground uh getting ready to take a moon moonsault to a walls of Jericho in his on his opponent. <clears throat> JR hell of a counter into a single-leg crab, which is also a submission maneuver. <laughs> the Hall of Fame voice of wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, J.R., because he says, a hell of a counter into a single crab, which is also a wrestling maneuver, or a submission maneuver. Thank you, J- JR. if you didn't say that, I wouldn't have known that. You know, psh. Aubrey Edwards was distracted by Sammy Guevara, was outside, uh, despite that, despite the Appreciation Society being banned from ringside, Guevara, uh, was being tackled by Action Ever. they never, they, they say his name once, and then that's about it, so I'm not exactly sure who it was that tackled, um, because you never really see his face all you can see it looks like Dante to me but I don't think it's Dante Stark wins and I gave it uh three and a half out of five stars was a beautiful contest and uh I enjoyed I enjoyed it so much and the audience seemed to enjoy it uh as well Yeah, the audience seemed to like they were having a lot of fun watching this one. Next we go to our next contest, which is a casket match slash final burial match. There is no disqualification. Uh the only match the only rule in this match is that you have to uh you must lock your opponent in a casket as Christian Cage faces off against Jungle Boy Jack Perry. The funny part about this, um Contest right here was the fact that I'd watched a a Twitter uh video and it must have been on AEW's uh Twitter page. Jungle Boy Jack Perry recently made a statement where he said that he was going to win a singles championship in the year 2023. You wanna know what Christian had to say about that? Over my dead body. So they're having a final burial match because over his dead body. They just take promos way too seriously, I swear. I'm not sure if he did it on purpose, but Taz said that's the way Christian rolls. In Impact Wrestling back in 2003 or 2005, maybe 2007, it was so long ago that I forgot. Um, I forgot the year and I can't be bothered to look it up the point is Christian used to say as, so in his promos back in Impact Wrestling, Christian used to say, and that's how I roll. Like that, you know, like very emphatically, very, you know, to the point. It was almost like he would end all of his promos by saying, and that's how I roll. So whenever Taz said that on for whatever reason, they were talking about, you know, hey, Christian seems to be getting himself into a lot of trouble uh, as of late, and uh, Taz brings it up on commentary, and then he says, that's just the way that Christian rolls, so I'm not sure whether or not he did it on purpose or not, but he, he, he made a reference to Christian's TNA impact um, <clears throat> lineage, if you will, Christian tries his damnedest to run away from Jack Perry, who seems to have all the momentum coming into this match. Christian Cage, in between his eyes, is cut, and he starts bleeding. I'm not sure how he got the wound. Um, he is bleeding Jack Perry, trying to hurt Christian's arm by jumping on it. But Christian moves out of the way and trips him onto the still steps. Uh, Christian Cage is <clears throat> beating Jungle Boy Jack Perry like the proverbial red-headed stepchild because he takes his belt off. He takes Jack Perry's belt off, and then afterwards, he starts whaling him with, you know, his own belt. The funny part is, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is like right in front of his, his sister and his mom have like a front row seat and Christian's talking shit to his, his sister and his mom. Basically saying how, how much of a loser he is, how much he'll never amount to anything in this business, how much of a, you know, just a poor excuse for a competitor that he is. And Christian is going full ham and I'm talking H A M on Jungle Boy Jack Perry's uh, mother and sister. Uh, Jack Perry, the casket used as a weapon at one point. I try to list all of the weapons that were used in this contest. Uh, we had a shovel, a chair. Christian Cage threw dirt in the eyes of Jack Perry. Uh, dug dug his index finger into his eye. I do apologize for the interruption ladies and gentlemen but as you know I don't exactly have the amenity of having like and and um big boy over at the big boy podcast made fun of me for this and it's it's frustrating at times but I I can't I can't do anything about it Someone came into the living room, so I had to shut down the recording. And if it happens again, I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for unfortunately I'm having to stop the broadcast. The only thing that it's doing is it's delaying at around what this podcast ends because I'm not going to stop. A list of weapons were brought into this match. Um, He threw dirt in his eyes. Uh, He dug his index finger into his eyes. Um, What Christian Cage did to Jack Perry. Um, Christian Cage used the uh, casket at one point of the match as a weapon. At one point of the match he used a leather belt, a steel rafter barricade. And honestly, at the end of this match, I I felt really good that Jack Perry honestly got over on uh, Christian Cage. Because I feel as though that he deserves it. The man works hard. Four out of five stars. And as you can see, there's a little bit of consistency here. Not just from me, but also from the caliber of match that they are willing to put on at the time that they put them on, in case you, you're you not paying attention. Because the first match was 3.5 out of 5 stars. Uh, the second match was 4 out of 5 stars. So if they keep on having great matches then I'm going to keep giving them great um, ratings. Sorry, I had to find my uh, computer charger. So I gave that match 4 out of 5 stars. This match was honestly uh, one of the better contests, even though this is the only... This is the only second match on the co- only the second match on the card. Uh, this match was 100 miles an hour. Was extremely entertaining to watch. I liked it. It seemed as though that the crowd liked it. Was enjoying it as well. <clears throat> I started before next week. We will be giving away money, cash, money from. In the form of PayPal or Cash App. Message me on Twitter for more information on how to win $200 next week. Only one person will be chosen. But next week, three... There, not three, holy shit. There could be more people chosen. What do you know? So next week, hit me up on Twitter. Listen for a word that will be said on next week's episode three times. Three times get you money. Remember that. There will be a certain phrase, a certain word that will get you paid. No catch. I'm not going to make fun of your mom, unlike. Brandon's mom, AEW World Trios Championship, and let me say, before this one begins, I loved, absolutely loved, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King, I loved the entrance, oh my god, so beautiful, what a symphony that they brought, they brought out the, oh, they brought out the, and Julia Hart too. Julia Hart came out with the with the almost looking like a mourning widow of some sort. <clears throat> like she had lost one of her loved ones. She never smiles. I love it, man. Oh my god. Give me Julia Hart. Ooh, my god. Don Callis joins the commentary table for all oh, the elite. Um, Kenny Omega, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson, the champions. This is for the AEW World Trios Championships as Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King take on the elite. Kenny Omega, uh, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson. Don Callis joins the commentary table for uh, this match. And he he lit all of the team on commentary. Uh, Taz, Excalibur, and Jr. Let them all know who the greatest wrestler in the world today is, Kenny Omega. He's not gonna lose or fall victim to any House of Black shenanigans, any magic tricks. Yeah, he, he they can they can pull no tricks out of their hat, is what he says. That Kenny Omega hasn't already seen, and for that matter, Don Callis is so funny. <clears throat> Or, that Kenny Omega hasn't already dealt with, rather. The start of this match has a beautiful rally counter for counter as Buddy Matthews and Kenny Omega, as soon as they think, as soon as one of them thinks that they've got, uh, the other one, like, Omega in a headlock, and then after that, uh, a side leg, a side leg headlock takedown from Matthews, and then, uh, a rollover, a cover, uh, a kip up into the shoulder block and then the other Irish whip and then into another Irish whip, into another leapfrog, into a a standing uh, press or a standing switch rather and they're just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and no one's given an inch. Kenny Omega goes for the one get angel early on Malachi Black, sees it coming, uh, jumps off of Omega's shoulders, and tries to hit him with the fade-to-black spinning heel kick. Omega drops to his knees and sets Indian-style in the middle of the ring, and Malachi Black joins him. They're both looking each other in the eyes, looking each other in the face, and I'm almost certain that Malachi Black takes some time. And he, he starts uh, clapping a little bit, you know. it's It looks so good. Oh my God, just the transition from one to the next to the other to the end to the out to the up to the down to the left to the right. You know, I mean, you couldn't choreograph a, a better wrestling match here. Uh, Matt Jackson does Kofi Kingston's trouble in paradise on to Brody King. <clears throat> That's not what they call it, but they're like, "Oh my God, what an indiguri!" You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen what he did. Uh, super kick done to the uh, Jackson brothers. Uh, super kick done by the Jackson brothers. Excuse me, to uh House of Black member on each corresponding side. I wasn't exactly sure. Um, who of the Jackson uh, twins, it was hitting who of the House of Black because the camera has a weird time focusing. So I couldn't exactly tell you that it was Matt Jackson who hit Malachi Black or whether it was Nick Jackson who hit uh, Brody King or Buddy Matthews. Uh, Matt Jackson performs a sliced bread on Buddy Matthews but to do so he ran up malachi black as if he were a tree or the turnbuckle then tried to hit malachi black with a super kick but failed black countered after two dragon snap suplexes julia hart gets on the apron to try to stop kenny omega from doing from hitting his irish whip maneuver he was looking to do the bte trigger julia hart provides a distraction uh, because Kenny Omega doesn't want to hurt her. And <laughs> he's telling her to get down from the ring apron because she's physically in his way. Uh, <clears throat> she's giving him this look of just pure disdain or disgust. Meanwhile, I don't think he realizes, because he hasn't turned around yet, Malachi Black that he just turned his back on Malachi Black made one of the worst mistakes you can make in professional wrestling. Malachi Black ducks to avoid the BTE trigger. Uh, Omega hits Julia Hart with the BTE trigger. Nick Jackson, uh, saves the match. He, he saves, uh, Hits a beautiful spinning roundhouse kick. He calls the fade to black. um, And he ends up winning. The contest. So we saw. A new. God damn it. We saw a new. AEW. Trios. Tag team champions. Being crowned here tonight. Will we see another new champion. And honestly. Honestly this match was fast paced it was really good a beautiful contest usually i don't say that usually i say that i hate multi-man matches and it is true but was this match was honestly the exception where i'm seeing six men put their heart on the line and in a competitive action <clears throat> competitive environment uh, come together and in all honesty was beautiful contest. Uh, It deserves a beautiful score of five out of five stars. I loved every minute of it and I feel as though that the crowd loved every minute of it because you could you could literally um these people were just not silent at all and you could hear the rumble the rumble the rumble and then the 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 clapping and the just Everything epic, you know, just like the, just like the beginning of this podcast, whenever I played the epic music, everything epic, oh, and by the way, the music, uh, I should preface this by saying, it's from a mobile game called Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel, and whenever you get your opponent down to about 900 life points, It starts going crazy with the music. It's like, oh shit, he's about to lose. And then it'll play this epic symphony of nothing but music. It's got like three or four tracks that it usually plays. It'll play one for you and then one for your opponent. But anyway, um, despite Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel, who does not sponsor this podcast, by the way. Why not? Master Duel, hit me up. Come on. I know I'm just a lowly. Wait, am I in silver? I'm in gold. Yeah. But hit me up. A beautiful score. I loved every minute of it. Uh, and I feel as though that the crowd loved every minute of it as well. Not knowing who to cheer because all six men are so goddamn good. But I still have one question. I hope Julia Hart... Uh, she did take the BTE trigger and fell off the ring apron. I hope that she's okay. Update, we got a new world, uh, trios tag team champions as I was taking notes. Uh, so that I could, oh, I paused it. It said I opposed it and I don't know why. So that I could type on my notepad and it turns out that Julia Hart is okay uh, she is standing with the, uh, it's supposed to say House of Black, but instead it says Health of Black as they celebrate being new champions. AEW World Women's, AEW World Women's Championship match as Jamie Hayter, and I hardly know her, am I right, takes on Soraya and Ruby Soho. We get a double suplex. I almost said a double. A double suplex clothesline combination by Jamie Hayter. This match was a little fast. This match was a little fast. Not a lot happened. I felt like that sort of... It's sort of cucking the uh, very talented women's division. I don't even... Yeah, I didn't even get to write down a whole bunch of notes on this match uh, in particular. And I'm not really sure what it is that uh, AEW was thinking with this uh, particular contest. It's kind of like, hey, we'll give you a a great match. You know, this great three-on-three right here. And then after that, boom, we're just going to send almost like a squash match. But it's not exactly a squash match, but it's going to look like it's a squash match after that. Um, because Jamie Hader, of course I was expecting her to win, yes, but because this is like her first, I think, uh, title defense, maybe her second title defense, they never really bring it up, don't know why, sounds like relevant information to me, but, um, <clears throat> the one thing that they do, do correctly, I suppose you you, you could say, is, is kind of uh, put the women on a platform where they belong and to showcase their skills. By the end of uh, this match, uh, Soraya start or Tony Storm gets into the ring. I think it is. I, I don't know how to put it, but it's almost like cucking the women's division. You know. It's almost like, um, yeah, we know how talented you ladies are, but listen, we're just going to give you five minutes, you know, just go in there. and You know, I thought that there was supposed to be somewhat of a woman's revolution, and I was really saddened to see that the TBS championship was not defended on this night as well, so um, we didn't get to see Jade Cargill uh, defend her championship, which kind of sucked. Uh, after the bell rings, Tony Storm gets into the match, and she started beating on the champion Jamie Hayter. And almost like WWE is staying relevant through AEW's eyes, they took three of these women who were originally from WWE, and it looks to be the start of a group. Saraya, previously known as Paige in the WWE. Tony Storm, previously known as Tony Storm in the WWE. And Ruby Soho, who was previously known as Ruby Riot in the WWE. It seems that they are forming a faction, a trio of some sort. Uh, on commentary, they say it's not like Ruby's an original here in AEW. And. It looks to me like they're doing the whole Outsiders storyline that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall did back in the day. Because collectively they were known as the Outsiders and then they became the N-N-N-N-N-N-W-O-W-W-O-New World-New World-New World-Order. Hangman Adam Page versus John Moxley in a Texas death match, despite them being in San Francisco. <clears throat> Adam Page using a barbed wire uh, to possibly try to draw blood from John Moxley. This is a, a scary situation because people always react one of two ways whenever they see their own blood. Sometimes they panic. They start to run, and sometimes when they see red they see their own blood they feel as though that they have no choice but to stand and fight <clears throat> Hang mad Adam page and uh, he starts to gush blood it gets all over John moxley because moxley's got this fork right he he kept a fork in his um uh, in his boot, I think it was, and he just starts gouging almost like at the forehead of Adam Page, does uh, John Moxley. And we get the, the crowd who is chanting, You sick fuck, and this is awesome. John Moxley goes under the ring and he comes out with two bricks and a rusty iron chain. They keep calling it a steel chain, but I don't think it's a steel chain. I don't think it's a steel chain. It looks to be a rusty iron, you know, chain. Little did he know that would be his demise. John Moxley does a power driver, a pal driver onto a rusty chain, onto the rusty iron chain. Uh, off the turnbuckle, John Moxley uh, sent Hangman Adam Page careening toward the uh, tabletop uh, that has barbed wire laying on it that he previously set up earlier it was elevated by two steel chairs kind of fun to see things come full circle john moxley pulls uh one of those bricks that i previously mentioned um he goes out from under the ring oh that he pulled out from under the ring in a very peculiar position Then he does a running curb stomp onto Hangman Adam Page. Only the real ones know, but I guess I better explain it. Moxley was uh, previously in a group of three men known collectively as The Shield. Uh, One man out of that group uh, did a move called The Curb Stomp and... In doing so, John Moxley paid homage to the shield, to his S.H.I.E.L.D. brethren in Seth Frickin' Rollins. And I've been told before, I hate the Frickin' in Seth Frickin' Rollins. Well, you know something? Get over it. You know why? Because that's his name now, and you're going to have to live with it. And not only that, but also Adam Cole recently tweeted that he put the D in DMD. So... You know you're gonna have to get over that part too. <clears throat> Adam Page wraps uh, the chain around John Moxley's neck. It says Nick on my notes, but I don't know anybody named Nick. And he uses him as an anchor for a uh, pulley system. He's he's got John Moxley's neck wrapped around a chain. And he's on the other end of that chain. <clears throat> Hangman Adam Page is literally hanging John Moxley out to dry. Quite literally over the ring ropes. John Moxley taps out. And I gave this match four and a half out of five stars. It was very entertaining. Uh, quite a beautiful contest. Uh, told a beautiful story. And... I'm not the only one who thought so, because the crowd in attendance, the fans, seem to also enjoy it. Uh, judging by their passionate cries, and their passionate chanting of, Fight forever! Wardlow is mad that Samoa Joe took his ponytail. With a promo package, um... You're hearing a lot of Wardlow say Samoa Joe took from him the one thing in this world that was precious to him. And giving a lot of intense looks at the camera. I'm not really sure <clears throat> the story I guess why Wardlow's ponytail is so special. But makes it out to be um, somewhat of a symbolic super special thing that makes him uh, wake up in the morning and go to work my point is this seems to be it seems to be rushed and also seems to be poor storytelling on the part of either Wardlow or for that matter AEW Uh, Wardlow also says that at Revolution I'm going to kill you which is funny it's funny to me that Wardlow says that he's going to kill Samoa Joe because Obviously, we all know why. And if you don't know, Samoa Joe has been wrestling for maybe 35 years. Maybe 32, 35 years. And in most of his matches, the crowd tends to chant, Joe is gonna kill you. Joe is gonna kill you. So whenever someone says that they're gonna kill Samoa Joe, I laugh. Because it's ironic. Wardlow versus Samoa Joe for the TNT Championship. Not a whole lot happens in this contest. It's maybe uh, five minutes, maybe seven minutes if you're lucky. Um, the damn shame is everyone who's in the main, who's in the main event or uh, somewhere else, uh, gets more TV time. In a way, you can see that AEW has some backstage politics. Ooh, backstage politics brewing in AEW. It's kind of like, hey, um, Jamie Hayter, you don't care to cut, like, five minutes of your all's match, right? Because we need it for the TNT Championship match. Uh, Matter of fact, TNT Championship match, you don't care to cut, like, five minutes because we're going to need it for the Trios Tag Team Championships you know you can almost smell the politics. It was good for what it was, which was a great wrestling contest, and it didn't really tell that much of a good story. I'm gonna have to give this one, even though it was really entertaining, a three out of five stars. Orange Cassidy versus oh Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen, excuse me, versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jared versus the acclaimed the former champions the acclaimed versus the guns now before we begin I would first like to say why can't we just get the guns versus the acclaimed because they deserve a one-on-one title rematch that's what I think but nonetheless I digress I just got done talking about how much how much that I hate fucking multi-man matches and this is exactly what i mean four teams right try to keep up with me two people on each team and the rules are very simple it's almost like a four corners match in the in the tradition that you can a tag team four corners match rather you can tag in whoever you want um it's it's so, you just look up the rules of a Tag Team Four Corners match, and I'm, I'm sure you'll find what I'm talking about. Uh, since the last pay-per-view that we watched of AEW, the Acclaimed has lost their AEW Tag Team Championships. It's an interesting choice by the AEW management, but I wouldn't let that happen. Um, <clears throat> the Acclaimed go... The Acclaimed about to go open in San Francisco... We're about to go Oakland, like green, like Golden State. They're going to give golden showers. Ass boys got the belts. They know it's ours. You know they're the weakest champs, looking like a single man in those Cheetos, Cheetahs pants. You're some A-holes with some B-talent. Hey, Jeff, you forgot you're Cialis. So they basically came out and roasted almost every team except for Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen because they don't have a beef with Orange Cassidy or Dan Housen. And honestly, Cassidy and Housen were probably in this match simply to be jobbers or for a comedy I know their names are the guns. Okay, okay, so let's address the elephant in the room. And tell the elephant to leave the room. I know their names are the guns, but why? Couldn't they uh, not try to rip off Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, who are the Motor City machine guns and are collectively known as sometimes referred to as the guns? Which, by the way, the Motor City Machine Guns have worked in AEW before. Orange Cassidy, uh, with a wind-up punch, uh, starts in the center of the ring, but doesn't get to Jay Lethal in the corner until Dan Housen gets off three three lariats uh, in on uh, Jay Lethal. Already an entertaining start to this match. As Orange Cassidy mocks Jeff Jared doing the strut, we get an asshole chant, <clears throat> which is pretty funny considering that Colton Gunn and um, Austin Gunn are in this match and they are the A-Boys, the ass boys, I should say. <clears throat> a lot of a lot to unpack here as Dan Housen uh, puts a curse on Satnam Singh in the middle of the ring uh, Sanjay Dutt tries to intervene, but Danhausen breaks his pencil and sends him out of the ring. When Sanjay leaves the ring, Danhausen low blows to Satnam Singh, Orange Cassidy with the Orange Punch, a variation of Roman Reigns' Super Punch, um, <clears throat> Superman Punch, rather, uh, and out of. Out of nowhere comes Billy Gunn and he hits uh, Satnam Singh with the Famouser. A little bit of inconsistency comes into play here. or the beginning of the match, uh, they ended up saying anything goes as if there were no rules. In some cases, in this multi-man match, uh, such as a triple threat or a fatal four-way, it would make no sense to, like, you know disqualify one team because the other team decided, because you're not in control of what other people do, you know? So, at the beginning of the match, they do end up saying, hey, this is no rules, but yet they proceed to follow the regular rules of a uh, tag team wrestling match. Not treating this as though that it were an actual, you know, slugfest. Like I said, inconsistency with uh, Double J Jeff Jared, uh Trust a garnish and guitar. Oh yeah. So for whatever reason, uh, Double J Jeff Jared brought in a guitar, and whenever he brought in the guitar, um, <clears throat> that one was for you, Brandon. Guitar. Whenever he brought in the guitar, rather, um, what ended up happening was. Aubrey Edwards took it from him and decided that it was a good idea to throw it out of the ring. Just, no, you're not going to use a foreign object in my match. Despite the fact that it's no disqualification, Aubrey Edwards had no right to take the guitar away from Double J. <clears throat> the guns retained the titles. Uh... In a way, that match that really won it protects all teams. Oh yeah, it protects all the teams because um, the jo- I don't want to say this, but the joke of a team in Orange Cassidy and down Danhausen ended up losing. Technically, they were the ones to get the pin, not like anyone who would want to, like preferably lose. The funny part. And the really funny part about this is the champions are, you know, the, the champions are the guns and Billy Gunn, who is their father, you know, they don't even have their own father's support because their father would rather play scissor me daddy ass with the acclaimed, which is the opposing team, you know? Okay, so that brings us to the main event. I'm trying to figure out where the fuck I wrote it down at. Oh okay. So the promo package plays and it seems it seems as though that MJF has been watching my YouTube channel because let me let me unpack some some luggage for you guys let me paint you a picture has been watching my YouTube channel MJF is a good heel he's a great bad guy uh, for a reason and he gives that he gives for hating Brian were almost similar to the beginning reasons that I grew to hate Daniel Bryan but then I had to learn not to be petty and not to hate him because I'm jealous of him. And I knew, and honestly this is me, Mocha, speaking from the heart. Just have to read it off my notes because, you know, I it, like, don't exactly know what I said here. <clears throat> jealous of him, uh, that comes out to all of you listeners or the, the fans... I hated Brian for some of these reasons that, you know, MJF gives because some people called him the best in the world, which is a prestigious title that shouldn't be given to someone that looks like a rat with chemotherapy or as I used to call him before a duck dynasty reject. At the same time, I would call Brian a Duck Dynasty reject and make fun of him for uh, having a child and a wife, much like I make fun of Brandon for. Because, to me, that's not success. That's... I mean, what are you going to do whenever this child grows up and finds out how much of a failure you are? How much you failed to do nothing with your channel? think about it i'm growing at an expanding rate brandon so the next time you talk down to me you little bucktooth bastard you better realize who you're talking to okay are, are we on the same page do you hear me i should make a scott steiner reference holler if you hear me and then start playing sirens just into my microphone no i'm not going to do that But that's not the point. The point is, you you buck-tooth bastard, you're going to make fun of me? Do you know who I am? Like I said, I'm forever growing. I've already got my own clothing line. I'm writing a book, which you seem to enjoy. How are you going to feel whenever you're reading my book and reviewing it on your podcast? How are you going to feel then? How are you going to feel whenever I'm giving away $200 to somebody that's not you? Or whenever I'm giving away $400 the week after that? Or $800 the week after that? Or $1,600 the week after that? Or maybe, just maybe, I'll go that much further, Brandon. And I'll give away... $3,200 Thirty-two, or even $6,400 to someone that's not you, to someone who can actually use it aside from someone who has a child and someone who lives in the backwoods of Ohio? Is that what you said? 10 minutes from Cincinnati. Like that's something to be proud of. Dude I live like. 8 minutes from Bluefield Virginia. It's literally a walk. A skip. And a hop away. I go there a lot for the. Food City. Value everyday. Food City. See you just can't escape the ads guys. I'm telling you. Anyway, um, back to what I was saying. I used to call him a Duck Dynasty reject and make fun of him for having a child and a wife. Uh, everything else that WWE, uh, told me, including an episode of NXT back whenever it was a reality competition and less of a brand building, uh, super, a brand that was trying to build superstars, um... They talked about the fact that apparently Brian didn't own a TV growing up. I'm not sure why that was relevant to them, but it was. And I would always make fun of him because uh, the one thing that he stopped doing, those fucking yes chants... So, I would always praise him for that. I don't know why it says I would always make fun of him for it. But I would always make fun of him for doing those fucking yes chants, basically. And then whenever he stopped, rather, doing those yes chants, I was extremely happy. And I was glad that he was listening to me. Or at least somewhat, you know, like... But, don't worry, that changes here in just a minute. And... um. His over usage of the I pronoun. So if you go back, <clears throat> I'm going to give you guys a challenge. All right, and if you go back to a certain TV show or a YouTube show rather called Talking Smack, which Brian used to co-host with, uh, what's her name, Renee Young? Yeah, uh, Brian used to co-host with Renee, and whenever he would, he would always avoid her questions and for that matter he would always find a way to almost like talk about himself how self-centered are you brian because there was one time wherever i went ahead watched a whole hour listened rather to a whole hour because i mean you really can't watch it but listen to a whole hour of nothing but him saying the pronoun i i i and i know that you the listener right now can't See me, but I'm pointing to my eye right now. I, I, I. So, Brian, whenever he would say that, it would make me think that he's some sort of pirate or something. I didn't understand it. One time, though, I took a piece of pencil, you know, piece of notebook paper, took a pen, whatever it is, and I wrote down a tally mark every time that I heard him say the word I, or the pronoun, rather, I. And I remember I had. A notebook, full, front to back, two hundred and fifty-nine eyes. Even though Rene barely asked him a question, "Hey Brian, um, what would you do if you were put in that situation?" Something like that. Brian never got asked a question like that, and that was just from one episode. It was like two hundred and fifty-nine eyes. And it was so annoying, but nonetheless, whenever Brian moved to AEW, I thought, "Shit, (laughs) I got him now," because he's no longer got his daddy to protect him. You know, I thought for sure he's he's gonna get cooked in AEW. His career is over, man. But you know what? It happened actually started to like him and I was wrong about him I had to take back all of the hurtful things that I'd said about him and I felt bad I really did I know that I'm saying I right now like a lot but I'm justified because I'm giving my feelings it's almost like someone asked me a question asked me for my response and I'm giving it It's not something that wasn't anticipated, unlike what Brian was doing to Renee, or Renee was doing to Brian, because Renee would just ask a question, and sometimes it would be a question directed toward Carmella, and instead of Carmella answering the question, Brian would say, I had tuna for lunch, and it's like, who the fuck cares? Anyway... I'm getting ahead of myself. I was wrong about Brian. See? Like water off a duck's back. I'm not even mad about it. You know? I'm not even petty. I'm not like, I wasn't wrong. You were wrong. You know? It's not about that. It's about swallowing your pride. And learning that sometimes you're wrong. It's the human experience. It's crazy, I know. But anyway, MJF calls himself the devil, comes out looking like a creature from Japanese folklore that I know as the Animaru. And he is an entire he has an entire orchestra come out and play the beginning notes of his theme song, perhaps before the match, begins trying to get into the head of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. <clears throat> MJF mocking Brian's yes chance. He's so popular for... Okay, yes. Uh, mocking Brian's yes chance that he's so popular for. What a rally back and forth between these two uh, athletes... These two competitors, a uh, beautiful uh, stalemate. I thought that that said soulmate, and I don't know why. Um, as they meet in the center of the ring, <clears throat> look at each other in the eyes, neither man giving an inch. MJF uh, goes to the crowd and drinks. Throws water onto a child, onto a fan's child. MJF is talking smack to one of the cameras. So if you don't know one of the critics who are always in MJF's inbox, if you will, maybe, his name is Dave Meltzer. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about him before, once or twice, but if you care so heavily about Dave Meltzer's opinion, by the way, you've come to the wrong show. I'm not here to talk about Dave Meltzer, I'm not here to make him, um, relevant, for that matter, I could care less about the dumbass's opinion, uh, or for that matter, Brian, uh, what's his name, Alvarez, yeah, Brian Alvarez, I could give two shits about his opinion either, he's talking to Dave Meltzer he, as he's talking into the camera and the Wrestling Observer, he says, "Oh no, is that going to cost me a star, Dave? Maybe I won't get the Brian Danielson Award." Powerbomb from the top, uh, from the top of the turnbuckle, <clears throat> from Danielson onto MJF, uh, MJF in the center of the ring mocking Shawn Michaels, uh, Shawn Michaels who was the person who trained Brian. <clears throat> who trained brian danielson to be because just like johnny gargano that we talked about uh last week sean michaels wrestling school in texas i think it's called the heartbreak uh wrestling school it, johnny and brian were both in the same class what a heel what a heel of a man such a tremendous character um that michael jacob michael that's not his name maxwell jacob friedman plays so well i'm not sure why it has michael here his name is maxwell they may be broke the world record for the most attempts at a uh, near fall in one wrestling match because what a rally they had it was almost like a, a back and a forth and a, a code red into uh, like a small package into a schoolboy into a a backslide into a um you know another code red into a a roll up into a uh another schoolboy another backslide another um just tremendous tremendous back and forth between these two and did i mention this is a 60 minute iron man match i forgot to say that this is not a one-on-one competition where someone gets a pinfall someone gets a submission victory they win it's cut and dry just like that no this is a 60 minute competition to see who can win the most falls out of <clears throat> An hour-long competition. Brian Danielson has scored the first fall via pinfall. MJF gets two back-to-back falls immediately and then gets disqualified from a low blow, making the score tied 2-2. to Or as they say in tennis, 2-love. Beautiful elbow drop from MJF to Brian. Uh, He puts him through a table whenever he does it. Off the top turnbuckle. MJF tombstones Brian through a table that he... As I previously mentioned... There's still parts of the table that are like up, you know? And MJF gets up, tombstones Brian through the uh, parts that are still uh, standing... that he already uh drove the elbow through the heart of brian and afterwards he gets a 3-2 lead mjf uh talking to uh danielson during the match saying you're the best in the world huh you're the best in the world huh kid then he says well you fucking suck and then after that, Brian ends up tying the match, or Danielson rather, ends up tying the match three to three. <clears throat> MJF hits an avalanche tombstone power driver, which is a is a beautiful beautiful move that we don't get to see. Just like I said last week, the avalanche Spanish fly, you don't see that. You've Probably never seen that before in your entire life, but somehow Io Shirai's done two of them to Candice LeRae. See, mid South wrestling, they. T- tell me, tell me, Brandon. When's the last time that um they hit any avalanche moves? I'm just curious, you know that. Like you said, there were a few rules back then, right? You can't climb the turnbuckle. And not to make fun of you or anything, but you always sound like you're sleepy or drowsy whenever you're doing your... Like, where's your excitement? Where's your passion? Are you just doing this for your free time? You know? Oh, I got nothing better to do, so I may as well just record a podcast. And then you're just like... <sighs> Oh, and, and then Bill Watts uh, sent out the, sent out the troops to almost, <sighs> uh, and then Bill Watts and the Junkyard Dog had a segment, and there was an interview, and let me play the clip while I take a little nap, because that's what you sound like. Like I said, no disrespect, just Criticism. You can take criticism, right? Brandon. <clears throat> now you see why he won Booker and Promoter of the Year um three years in a row. WWE cannot compete with anything that AEW does, plain and simple. And if he want if Brandon wants to compete with me, He's gonna have to step up his game, and he he um compared himself to WWE and compared me to AEW. I take that as a compliment, actually, you know, because AEW is doing great. They're doing fan fucking tastic. According to the numbers, it was three or four weeks ago that. Jericho reported, and also your precious Brian Alvarez, if you listen to anything that he says, even though he's been caught up in lies before. But they reported that an episode of Dynamite got an estimated 8.8 billion views, which is... Probably a lot more than WWE can even get nowadays. Now you see why uh, Tony Khan won the Booker and Promoter of the Year three years in a row. Um, WWE cannot compete with anything that AEW does, plain and simple. WWE is the world wrestling entertainment, keyword entertainment. That's why they make a lot of movies, that's why they sell a lot of books, and that's why they do a lot of merchandise. That's why they have, like, kids shows for the WWE Network, like WWE Camp, and WWE, um, whatever it was, Slam City, you know, and they also got the toys, and, you know, the, the colorful merchandise, and, and the, the, John Cena looks like a purple dinosaur, you know, John Cena's a movie maker, I mean, he, he does make, well, I mean, I already said that, but, you know, he's been on the Jimmy Kimball show five or six times because they're milking him like he's a cash cow. Because they want John Cena to be the man that's like, yay, you know, 16-time world champion John Cena. Doesn't it seem a little fast that he won all those? As a matter of fact, let's, let's go ahead and talk about that controversy, too. Ric Flair has won more than 16 titles believe it or not they're just counting the 16 titles that he won in wwe believe it or not rick flair there is no official count on how many world championships that he's won if someone wants to go back and count be my guest go ahead but i bet you i bet you money that i'm giving away next week that it's more than 16 probably 30 probably 40 Ric Flair is a decorated champion. But they're just counting the ones that he's won on television in WWE. They want you to forget about everything else because everything else doesn't exist outside of WWE. That's the little bubble that they live in. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Five out of five stars. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Was told here MJF hit Brian Danielson with a, an oxygen tank to uh, knock him out. And applied his own finishing maneuver. Uh, <clears throat> Brian on finishing maneuver onto Danielson. Then the amount of disrespect starts to show. Uh, someone taps out to their own finishing maneuver the fact that i am mjf disrespects so many people during this match yes so he does disrespect so many people during this match he disrespects uh, dave Meltzer, disrespects sean michaels the american dragon brian danielson he disrespects all of the fans in attendance by flipping them off multiple times, including the child that he threw a drink onto. <clears throat> he made it all clear that he does not like Brian, even though he didn't really have a legitimate reason not to like Brian. At least that's what I think. The match wouldn't end here. However, Tony Schiavone would be given an um, announcement to make. Um, Tony Shivani would be given an announcement to make while he was sitting on the commentary, commentator's table and Shivani came out and he basically said that Tony Khan said that he does not want this match to end in a draw because they were tied 3-3 three to three if I remember correctly and they went to a sudden death round the next person to get the fall picks up the victory and as I stated the amount of disrespect is really really starting to show because MJF put Brian in his own he put Danielson in his own finishing maneuver what they call the Label lock I think looks a lot like the cross face but for some reason we're not allowed to say that yeah figures i would say what we're not allowed to say because i'm not afraid to go there unlike some people anyway ladies and gentlemen that was aew revolution it got two five-star matches it got me to milk it for two five-star matches and yes i did say malachi black and I didn't make a reference to the fact that, oh man, I hope my computer doesn't explode. Hurt, hurt, hurt. Mostly because I made that joke whenever he was Alistair Black. Oh man, I said it again. Um, I mean, whenever he was A-Black. So I'm not going to, you know, like, that's just disrespectful and almost like milking a cash cow at this point. I've been your cash cow. Tune in next week to see what happens next and to see who wins the 200 200 $200. Remember, there's going to be a word or a phrase that I'm going to say three times throughout the episode. And if you are paying attention, then you know what I know that I'm giving away money next week. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'm Mocha. You're not. You should be jealous. Oh, and uh one other thing before I go. Good night. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, everybody.